What's going on, Radio Free Istvan listeners? My name is Michael, and I have my co-host Ryan here. Go ahead and say what's going on, Ryan. What's going on, everybody? And we are with Radio Free Istvan. We're a 30K Horse Heresy podcast, and this is actually going to be a special little side segment we've been doing called uh, Horse Heresy Exposed. Basically, it's just to get you guys uh, some information, some help that uh, that we think. We get a lot of questions and you know, it's a lot of what do I do with my calf box or what do I do with this? And so one of the biggest ones that we get is going to be how do rights of war work? What are the best rights of war? I think uh, we actually had a recent email here from uh, Joseph and basically he was just wondering, uh, I mean, really simple things like, uh, you know, which, which rights of war are mostly taken, which ones do we see a lot? Uh, just, I mean, really guys, we, we could answer it every time you'll ask the question, but instead we decided to make a segment that we can point you guys to and just answer it all at one time. So what we're going to do is we're actually going to go through all of the generic rights of war for you just so we can explain, you know, what are some of the pros and what are some of the cons of actually going with these rights of war. And uh, I guess for starters, I mean, just straight out the gate, guys, if you're not even sure what rights of war are, which is completely possible if you're listening to this, uh, a rights of war are going to be, uh, I guess, army-wide buffs that you get whenever you actually take a independent character with the Master of the Legion special rule. And you get to take one of these special rights of war. There are some limitations. It's a, a minimum 2,000 points, right, Ryan, I think is... No, 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 no. It's... You can take it at any... Because you can take a Delegatus at any points level uh, that's and right. get a right of war. Yeah. yeah, it was before the Praetor was a little bit hard. Okay, yeah, you're Correct. right. Yep. So, but th- basically, these are going to be uh, army-wide buffs. Uh, really, guys, if you're going to be building an army, this should be, uh, I would say, one of the second things you choose when you're building your army. You choose your legion, and then probably choose a ride of war before you start buying things. That way, you kind of know what uh, what play style you want to go with. And so, it'll actually pick you and, ch- and kind of point you in the direction on what units you need to buy or, you know, what models you need to pick up because the right of war really justifies how your army composition is going to be made. I don't know. You want to add anything to that, Ryan? Um, you can only take one right of war. Some people get confused by that. They think for each master of the Legion character, you can have more than one, which you can't, you can only have one. If you take a right of war, you are locked into the standard age of darkness FOC. There are alternate FOCs like onslaught, Leviathan, Castellan, um, things like that. Um, those you cannot use those in conjunction with the rights of war. So, basically, if you take a right of war, you're locked into the standard FOC, which there's nothing wrong with. Nothing wrong with that at all. So, I guess just out the gate, Marin, let's go ahead and just start knocking this out. And guys, if you're looking for where we're getting these generic rights of war from, it's going to be in your red book your legion start is red book on page 95 or no, i'm sorry 98 is where it actually starts and it'll say legion start is appendix rights of war so i guess let's just knock it out man the first one is going to be the orbital assault right of war so with the orbital assault right of war i guess the most generic way to explain what this even is is one theater of warfare in which space marine legions were without peer uh, was the orbital assault with a sudden calamitous calamitous strike from the void 
were hundreds of worlds brought into compliance during the Great Crusade, their leadership decapitated and their centers of power taken over at a bloody strike without the need for a protracted war of conquest. So the way this right of war works and as it affects is all units in the army eligible to take a rhino as a dedicated transport may instead select legion drop pods or dread claw drop pods as a dedicated transport. So at the gate, you're dropping all the, the rhinos moving in with drop yep. pods. Uh, when taken as part of this right of war, talons of legion dreadnoughts and contemptor dreadnoughts must be given either dreadclaw drop pods or legion dreadnought drop pod dedicated transports and must arrive via deep strike. In this case, talon of multiple dreadnoughts must attempt to land within unit coherency when they are deployed via deep strike, but follow the dreadnought talon rules afterwards. So once again, this is just covering the basis for dreadnoughts. Dreadnoughts also have to deep strike in using drop pods. Uh, units and models in Terminator armor gain the Deep Strike special rule, which that's actually pretty special, guys. Uh, a lot of, especially if a lot of you are coming from the 40k side of things, you're used to your Terminators just having Deep Strike. Unfortunately, in 30k, that's no longer the case. You don't get Deep Strike all the time on all Terminators. Uh, so this unlocks that teleportation uh, aspect of Terminator armor in using this Rite of War. And, and also, just going back a little bit, more what you're talking about, drop pods. There's no way to get a Legion drop pod in an army without ta- unless you take this Rite of War or another Rite of War that unlocks them. Right. They're, so, they're not just a choice. So, yeah, exactly. This is pretty much the way, if you like drop pod armies, this is one of the options you can go with. Yeah. Uh, next thing on the list, Legion Rapier Weapon Batteries may select Legion drop pods as dedicated transports. Another way to get drop pods on Legion Rapier batteries. Pretty much the only way. Just another one of the giving something deep strike that didn't have deep strike. Death Storm drop pods may be selected as a fast attack choice. That basically moves them from the heavy support slot to the fast attack slot. And there are, with with all the benefits with each route of war, you also get limitations. So in this case, the limitations are units that cannot be deployed via deep strike either by having access to the special rule themselves or because they cannot be carried in a transport vehicle that has it. Infantry and drop pots, for example, may not be chosen as part of this army. So that pretty much kills out bikers, uh, tanks. tanks. Unless uh, you have a Thunderhawk transporter and you're playing a giant-ass game. Because you're a boss. Or, <laughs> I mean, this pretty much limits you to assault squads, destroyer squads with jump packs. Jet bikes, land speeders, yeah. anything that deep strikes, flyers, yeah. anything flyers, yeah. yeah. So I mean, it does it does limit you to a lot of the things you can take. This is not for you for you armies that like to turtle up. So uh, let me go ahead and see the, what else limitations we're looking at here. You may not take a fortification allied detachment. I think that one's pretty obvious. You can't even take a tank. That means that you're not going to have a fortification handy. And all units purchased dedicated transport in this army must be in the game transported within them. So basically, you don't get to start on the table with your... Actually, no, you just don't get to start on the table. I can't imagine. Nothing gets to start on the table. Well, no, because it says all Uh, units that purchase dedicated transport. So if you took, like, jet bikes because they have the deep strike rule, you don't have to deploy them via deep strike. 10-4. Yeah, you're right. So if you take units that have deep strike, but just have it naturally, like if you bought a deep strike for your Terminators, or you have jet bikes, or you have land speeders, or you have any of that, you could start that stuff on the table if you so choose. 
and four. So I guess how do you feel about this Red of War there, Ryan? Well, um, I this is the only way I run my salamanders. I mean, not that salamanders can't be run other ways. It's just how I built my army. Like you said, I, I chose a legion, and then I chose this Rite of War, and I only have models that... I only own models that I can run in this Rite of War. I don't own a single tank for my salamanders. So I don't even own anything for them that I can't utilize within this Rite of War. So... Every time I play my Salamanders, I use this particular Rite of War. Um, it's worked out well for me. I've always loved drop pods. It's been my favorite aspect of Space Marine Armies ever since I can, you know, the basically since the model came out. Because um, there was a point in time where you could play drop pods, but they didn't have a model. You just put, like, a blast marker down. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, yeah. I think it was, Coke like, cans. third ed or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Forge World was the only way to get a drop pod. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I really like it. It pretty much works for any army um and i would say it's pretty much fluffy for every army i mean there wasn't any like space marine legions that did not use this it's pretty much their primary way to make planet fall in almost everything you know what i mean like if you read any of the novels almost every legion does this at some point in a novel so I yeah mean, and i would say that like i mean honestly guys i i do not see this list a lot locally uh, I don't see a lot of orbital assault list. I, I, it's a very, I mean, in Adepticon, it was a very competitive list. I mean, orbital assault just out the gate is alpha strike. If you want to get in somebody's face on first turn, this is definitely a way to do it. Just, I mean, it's, it's a very strong list. It's the tip. It's the list that I took to Adepticon. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's definitely something to look into if you are, all about getting in people's face. If you're, if you're looking at turtling up, you know, looking at staying back and all that jazz, this might not be the list for you. But if you are looking at maybe some, I mean, really, I, I would say if you're looking for a Alpha Strike Legion to go with this, but really this turns any Legion into an Alpha Strike Legion. There's, right. there's, no, there's, there's no Legion out there that wouldn't benefit from this. Right, in some way. I mean, there, there are certain ones uh, like, like if you're just like really into tanks, like you really like the glaive model or really want a Typhon or really what whatever, you probably don't want this right at work because you'll never be able to use that stuff. Um, a lot of the guys that we get emails from that are like, I really just like all this infantry and whatever, they might actually look at this. I mean, if they don't, if they're not, they don't like tanks already. If you're not opposed to just throwing your guys in drop pods, I mean, this would be a good way to go instead of just trying to foot slog everywhere. Oh yeah, definitely a solid way to go. So the things that work really well with this, um, the new uh, Meltavets with Machine Killer, we talked about it in our in episode 19, you know, with the Alpha Legion, but it, I mean, it works pretty well with anybody now. Um, anything like I love Charybdis drop, drop or Dreadclaws. Uh, Charybdis is basically a flying Spartan. So if you take a Charybdis and cram any really big, nasty assault unit in it, like, you know, if you're just doing generic units, you can do Cataphract Terminators, you can do your Legion-specific Terminators. Those things come down, uh, hide in the dread call for a turn, and then assault out of it. Um, you can do the same thing with the smaller dread claws with either smaller units or uh, guys that aren't bulky. Um, it's pretty good. The only thing that really limits you on this is ranged anti tank, which it got solved a little bit with the melt vets with the machine killer, which is nice. You actually have an option there. Um, the only other option really is flyers with uh, like crack and penetrators or stuff to really hit hard targets like lightnings or. Uh, solar orbital strike wing with like Avengers or something like that. Um, so just keep that in mind. It, it, 
it definitely to me if you do this drop pod stuff it it works the best with assault units or units that are good in assault because you're you're going to end up being so close absolutely and definitely do yourself a favor and pick up either some melting gun vets copy melting vets or a melting gun squad something preferably the Kami Melta Vets, but with Machine Killer. Yeah. They're very choice for you, especially if you're this new at the game. You you can build that out of the Kalf box. Yep. yep. Do you, get, you get, a, what, three combi weapons, and then you get three Melta Guns. So you could, if you did a 10-man squad, you can put two Melta Guns in there and then the three combi Meltas, and then if you do some swapping with your buddies or whatever, you maybe get some more uh, combi Melta bits. Heck, yeah. That's all I got to say about this one. Yeah, it pretty much works with everybody. Um, trying to think of the legions that really, really, really benefit from it. Uh, could you think of any off the top of your head that you're just like, these are... I'd say Death Guard. I think Death Guard makes the best one. Uh, Death Guard's good. Raven Guard gets a lot of buffs using Strike Commander Mon. He gets to reroll for some of their deep strikes and all that. Uh, mm. I think World Eaters... Uh, they they do pretty well with it because they you know you have all those assault guys you, you want them get in the face real quick yeah so it's a good option for them the reason death guard works so well they have a lot of uh they get shred on all their flamers and they have a ton of units that have that you got grave wardens you got uh you can put sniper vets with shredding flamers in a drop pod that's never a good time to get shot with that um you got the uh, Death Shrouds have the Hand Flamers. Mortarian has infinite Foxfex bombs. There's all that kind of crap. You throw all that stuff in drop pods, and you're immediately getting out and just laying tons of shredding Flamer templates on stuff. It's usually, you know, winds up people having a bad day. Salamanders are good because of the same thing. They get, like, really good, you know, Flamer template attacks, and then, like, they have Fire Drakes and Vulcan and some other stuff that are really good in close combat. And um, so... Yeah, so there's a couple legions there, but it pretty much works well with everybody. So that's pretty much it. Yeah, I I can't really think of any of that. Night Lords do it pretty well. Uh, yeah, they get a their they have a their legion right of war kind of gives them access, like some of the units access to drop pods. So typically, most people go with terror assault over this just because it's a little less restrictive. Yeah, well, that's what I was thinking about uh, with Raven Guard because they get the capitation strike that kind of <laughs> unlocks drop pods for everybody as well. Yep. It seems like a lot of the legions that you would think would take orbital assault already, already. have a legion specific version of orbital assault. So, right. then like word like word bearers have last of the serrated sun, which is just a nastier version of orbital assault. Yeah. I don't know. Any legion will make it work. Yeah, we see this a lot here. Um, this is this is pretty common to hear. Yeah, not so much in the Texas meta. I uh, I didn't see a lot of it in any of the the past two uh, events that we went to down here in Texas. Oddly enough, but I feel like it's coming up because people realize how powerful of a of a uh, a right of war it is. It does take practice. It it it's requires a lot of skill to do it right because you're basically only starting with half your army on the board, so you have to know which half of your like you have to construct your army knowing that you have to know which half to use. You have to know how to place your units there's a lot that goes into it um usually your first turn is the most delicate and takes the most time and then once you actually get on the table it plays like a normal army and i would say that a third of the actual playability is building the list 
because then you also have to know who you're playing against. Because I think a lot of people, they mess up when they build these armies. They think, oh, you know, I'm going to play this Imperial Fist army that's going to sit in the backfield and wait for me to come to it. No, guys, this is there. There's so many other orbital star, uh, orbital assault style armies list out there that you could find yourself playing an army that is also orbital striking or deep striking in, and you, you really have to size up your opponent right when the game when you actually get to the table. You have to basically break your army up into two and know what you want to come on the table first turn and maybe switch that up whenever you actually see what you're playing against. It, there's a, it takes a lot of skill once you actually start getting out there versus all the different types of armies that you could play against. Not all everybody's going to be a, you know, turtled up list you're going to be playing against. So just keep that in mind when you're building your list that, you know, oh, I'm going to take melted guns, I'm going to take plasma guns, and this is going to kill tanks, this is going to kill infantry. No, you need to keep in mind that there might be somebody else coming at you with the drop pod army that you are going to have to finagle your way. So so take advantage of flyers, guys. Yeah. They're very good. All right, so let's go ahead and uh, I guess we'll move on to the next one, Ryan. Uh, it's going to be the Armored Spearhead. Why don't you take this one off? Lead, it off? lead the way. Okay, so here's the fluff on this one. A common mainline assault formation, the Armored Spirit is designed to deliver the Legion's main strength into the, into combat while shielding it from the predations of hostile shot and shell. In order to accomplish this, the usual utilitarian transport vehicles employed by the Legion are replaced with heavier armored tanks from the Legion's reserves, and against such armored might, few foes can prevail. So basically what this does is it replaces like all your rhinos and stuff like that with land raiders. So the here are the effects. So all units in the army eligible to take a Rhino as a dedicated transport may instead select either a Land Raider Phobos or a Land Raider Proteus if they number 10 models or fewer as a dedicated transport. Uh, tank shocks inflicted by tanks in the force impose a minus one leadership penalty. Uh, so the limitations are all units with the infantry type in an army must either be purchased dedicated transports uh, and at the start of the game be deployed inside them or begin play transported in another vehicle in the army. This, in essence, means that you may not have more infantry models in your army during selection than you have the transport capacity to carry them. So that's the first restriction. So should all the tanks in the force be destroyed in the battle, then the enemy counts as having scored an additional secondary objective. So I guess that means score an additional extra point. Yep. Um, then you may not take a fortification allied detachment is the last drawback. So the drawbacks really aren't that severe on this because if you're running this, you're, you're trying to get a bunch of heavy tanks. It's kind of the point of it. So I don't know why you would take it and then not take advantage of it. So the drawback is pretty, pretty light. Like the extra point for destroying all the tanks that's not probably not going to make or break you. And the same thing, like if you're taking this armored spearhead to drive forward and smash people, you probably don't care about not having a fortification. So the drawbacks aren't bad. And because it says infantry type, um, that means you could take like, you can still take bikes and stuff because they're not infantry and they're not going to be subject to this. So if you still, you want to take bikes or attack bikes or something, jet bikes, you can still do that 
there's no restriction on that. So it's basically just like your footers. Any type of footer has to be put in a vehicle. Dude, I always thought this ride of war should have been called Rolling Thunder just because I can only imagine what like a whole slew of Land Raiders cruising down <laughs> coming at you face to face would be like. Uh, have you actually ever seen anybody run a uh, armored spearhead ride of war? Um, I think there was one guy at Adepticon doing it, but I don't, I, he just had a lot of land raiders. I'm not, I don't know if he ran this, but he did have quite a few land raiders. He, but he didn't, I think he had like three. I don't think he had more than that. So he could have very well just taken them as heavy support. Um, I've not personally seen it. The problem is, uh, land raiders aren't super great. They did get a little better with the update. They dropped them some points and like the Proteus can take some cooler options now. For people who are just new to the game, they're probably not familiar with the two types of Land Raider. So the the Phobos is the standard one from 40K that everybody's used to with the assault ramp and the last cannons on the side. It's the God Hammer pattern from 40K. Um, then the Proteus is essentially the same Land Raider, except it has no assault ramp. Um, and it doesn't come with the heavy boulders on top, but you can buy them. They are an option. So you can run it with or without the heavy boulder. So it's basically just the spawns and last cannons and the transport capacity. Everything else is the same on it. Yep. So, and it's cheaper. I think, it, what did it drop to? 180 points or 170? Something like that in the new book. I don't know. But it's it's pretty cheap. It's a lot cheaper than the uh, the other one. Um, Yeah, this isn't... This isn't super common. We'll get to another ride of war that's similar to this later that, in my opinion, is vastly, vastly, vastly better. Um, also, because land raiders are so expensive, when you take this ride of war, basically, you, you don't usually have enough points to run more land raiders that you can just naturally take in a heavy support slot anyway. And then the fact that a lot of, like, units like terminators or whatever already have access to them as dedicated there's you know what i mean there's really not a lot of reason to take this right of war i guess unless you wanted to take tax squads in a land in raider. land raiders yeah but i mean even that you can just take them as heavy support and put tax squads in them without using your right of war slot yeah you're right so unless you're just like really wanting to load up on heavy support you know, like take a ton of heavy support and then, but even then you can take land raiders in a squadron in 30 K. So you get three for one heavy support choice. So I, it, it's just one of those things. It's kind of an oddball right of war. It feels like to me that it needs more benefit than just that. Like the only other benefit it has is minus one to tank shock. Which yeah. Is like like a, oh. if they drive so close to each other, they maybe get like plus one front armor or something like that. Um, there's a, I don't know if this, like, I don't think it's bad. In 40K, I hate to bring in formations because you know how I feel about 40K currently in formations. Yeah. But some of the some of the rules that they give are okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so there's a Land Raider formation in 40K that if you take that formation, all Land Raiders basically, they don't become super heavies, but they basically gain where they ignore all damage results other than explodes. So you could do something like that. Like maybe like it, maybe they, you don't have to go that, like that's pretty crazy. Like maybe they just ignore like stunned and shaken almost like they're a you know, without having to be in a squadron or something like that. Like you can't stun and shake them at all. Yeah. Or they, they auto pass dangerous terrain or something. 
something extra. That's all I'm saying. I was just using that as an example. Yeah, guys. So if you, I mean, this isn't, I mean, not all the Rider Wars are winners. <laughs> yeah. Just out the yeah. Gate. This, like I said, it's not that it's bad per se. It's just there's so many other ways to do this exact thing with no restrictions without having to waste your Rider War. Unless you really like tank shocking people. That minus one leadership does do some work. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. I have never seen anybody play this. I think the closest I've seen anybody come to this is going to be uh, the guys over at Aus30K on their YouTube channel. He runs all of his world leaders inside of uh, three Land Raider Phoboses. Uh, okay. But that's going to be the closest, and I don't think he actually takes this formation or this uh, this Rite of War. I-, I believe he just takes him as heavy support. So, uh, yeah. This is a pretty pretty rare one, guys. Um, you know, I honestly don't think, I mean, out the, out the gate, I, I don't prepare any of my army list for something like this with that much 14 armor running around. Uh, so I could see where if you did drop that many land raiders on me, it would be a little bit different of a time. I, I don't, I'd be able to get through it with most of my army lists, but I, I could see where people would have trouble if they only had one squad. Cause usually I only see a lot of people who have maybe two good options of destroying uh, pretty heavy tanks. And these, this would just be basically be an army of, five or six just armored 14 armored ceramite just monsters rolling around so i could see where some people would have trouble with it but i also see a lot of uh i don't know i don't i, don't see I just that. i just think you take them as heavy support because if you really think about it there's no like i said you already got terminators you already got units that get them as dedicated transports then if you're already taking all those land raiders you're talking about you're not gonna have points left over to take heavy support anyway you're just not so you might as well just take the land raiders heavy support. Yeah, I mean that's my I don't know it's just kind of a weird one. Unless you just took a bunch of well, well yeah unless you just took a bunch of tax squads but even then I was gonna say if you took a bunch of vets but no no I don't see it. Yeah yeah it's just one of those that that needs it needs something different. They're not all winners, guys. They're not yeah. all winners. <laughs> all right, you ready to move on? Yeah, I'll grab the next one. Okay. So next one on the list, guys. And sorry, we trashed on that one so much. I just, I just don't. It's listen. not. I'm not trashing <laughs> on it. It's, it's like I said. If it because in 30k you can take land raiders and squadrons, and because of the way the points just happen to work out, and because certain units have access to it, and because of other rights of war, it just it, it's kind of pointless. It's like, eh, you know what I mean? Yeah, all day. The the effect that it gives isn't bad. It's just that you can get it other ways. That's all I'm saying. All day. All right, so Angel's Wrath. Although the strength of Legion of Stardes ranged in into the tens of thousands in, Le- in the Legion Legion, often they were confronted with enemies in the hundreds of thousands, even millions strong in open battle. The answer often to this imbalance was to ensure mobility and air supremacy, allowing the Legion's rapid force to rapidly de- redeploy to strike and strike again without becoming mired amid a sea of foes. So this one... Any models with the jump infantry type gains the hit-and-run special rule if it did not already possess it. Any unit eligible to take a Rhino as a dedicated transport may instead take a Storm Eagle gunship as a dedicated transport. Uh, Storm Eagle and Fire Raptor gunships that are part of the detachment gain the strafing-run rule. Fire Raptors already have it. Yeah, I was kind of... I was just thinking that. They gain double. They get double strafing-run. 
the limitations, only units with the jump infantry, skimmer, jet bike types, as well as infantry units, which begin the game inside transporting skimmers and flyers, may be chosen as part of the force. This, in essence, means that you may not take more infantry models in your army during selection than you have skimmer, flyer types, capacity to carry. Uh, no unit with a tank type, unless also a skimmer or flyer, may be taken as part of the army. And you may not take a fortification allied detachment. Uh, so this one's pretty easy, guys. It's it's basically very similar to the orbital assault, where it does limit you on tanks. Uh, it, it's it basically this is going to be instead of a drop pod army, this is going to be a drop infantry army. This is going to be more catered towards uh, assault squads and jump infantry. Uh, so you're looking at uh, like I think. You're looking at different armies that have dedicated assault squads, assault infantry, or jump infantry, like Raven Guard with their Dark Furies and anything like that. Uh, this is a pretty good ride of war to go with. Um, I know Ryan's not a fan of assault squads. So. <laughs> well, I just think this is the worst. This is one of the worst rides of war. Like, we can trash on this one. Like, I don't. The problem with this one is. It's really just a, a base rule game problem where if you because this is like trying to encourage you to take all these uh, flyers and stuff, but all that begins the game in reserve. Yeah. So the problem is if you take all these like units and then throw them on flyers, and begin all the game in the reserve, you don't start with anything on the table and you'll auto lose. And then you have to put like a few things out so you, that doesn't happen. And then usually that stuff gets murdered because it has no support by the time the other stuff comes on. And then if you get bad reserve rolls, your stuff comes on piecemeal, which is bad. And then even when you have units that come on in flyers, like you have a storm Eagle that comes, like say you put a bunch of terminators in a storm Eagle, best case scenario, it flies in turn two, but you can't assault when you come out of reserve. So you have to fly in. So now it's turn two, you fly in, then turn three, you go into hover mode and can assault. So it's minimum turn three to get that assault which you can basically do that if you just start them on the board and move and run every turn without having to buy a Storm Eagle. Yep. So you got that issue combined with, you know, Assault Marines aren't great. They're just, I mean, they're they're okay. I mean, they, they lower the points where they're not. I still think they're, like we were talking about it today, me and my friend Nick, if you were to draw a line in the sand and then put everything that's a above average unit on one side of the line and everything that's on, you know, a below average unit on the other side, like basically divide it in half. Right. Like put the line somewhere in the half. The assault Marines are definitely below the line. Yeah. That's very um, true. Just giving them hit and run. It's not enough of a buff to like have to basically take an entire army of them. Um, so I don't know, like it's just rough. Like, cause if, your your only scoring unit basically and plus storm eagles are just expensive they're like a 200 and they're 200 points based and then by the time you put war gear on them to make them worthwhile they're like 270 points so you're only going to end up with a couple of those um i don't know it's just it's really this is like really hard to build a list around that's any account it's there's just so much things working against it so many things yeah I'm trying to think if, I mean, really, I can't imagine an army out there right now that would benefit too much from Angel's Wrath that doesn't already have a Legion-specific right of war that if you absolutely wanted to take Assault Marines, 
Like, well, even there's another generic assault marine ride of war in here that's better than this if you if you're running assault marines. Yeah. So I guess we could just, you know, all around just skip this guy. Yeah, I just I don't man, it, this one's just rough. Like if you really like jet bikes, there's another ride of war we're coming up to that's better for jet bikes and, you know, you can still take all the flyers and stuff like that. Um gaining storm eagles is a dedicated transport. Once again, you can take them as fast attack. You know what I mean? So it's not like you can't get them otherwise. And then like units like Seekers, I think Seekers get them as a dedicated. Um, Recon Marines may also get them as dedicated. I'm not sure. Um, there's just other ways. I mean, and I mean, really, I mean, even if you took this right of war, you're going to run four fire raptors and put four squads in it. Like that would be so many points in reserve. I don't know. Then you're still going to have to take, you get what I mean? It's just kind of weird. Like it's just odd. So yeah, let's yeah. just skip it. Let's move forward. Yeah. Guys, I'm sorry <laughs> if you if you if you're looking at this ride of war, just go ahead and move to the next one. We'll go ahead and explain <laughs> here in a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. next one on the list is Pride of the Legion. This is a winner, guys. This is definitely a winner. I'll, I'll I'll take this one. Okay. So each Space Marine Legion had its elite, a core veteran, a core of veterans with the experience of countless wars on worlds unnumbered. In battle, these veterans, armed and armored with the finest war gear in the Legion possessed, could be deployed together like a clenched fist, focusing and maximizing their killing power to destroy the most terrible enemies the Crusade, the Great Crusade faced. Uh, guys, this is actually a very common ride of war, and you'll, you'll see it come up in a lot of army lists. Uh, it's, it's very beneficial. It allows you to take Legion veteran tactical squads and Terminator squads as troop choices in the force. And units of either of these types must be selected as the force compulsory troop choices. This also includes any Legion-specific Terminator squads, which are also elite choices. Uh, command squads may take a land raider of either the Proteus or Phobos type as a dedicated transport. Uh, limitations. Should all Legion veteran squads and Terminator squads in the force be destroyed in battle, then the enemy counts as having scored an additional secondary objective worth two victory points, which, if you're ever playing this like kind of ride of war... Always remember that because it is a game changer. Uh, you may not take an allied force detachment. Uh, the majority of units in the detachment must have the Legion of Sardis special rule. So if the detachment comprises of seven units, at least four must have the Legion of Sardis special rule, for example. So basically, this is just taking all the vet squads and all the Terminator squads. It's basically replacing your normal tax squads with vet squads and taking advantage of their awesome new rules and... I mean, there's so many, just, just so much good things to say about that. Well, and you can get a bunch of Terminators, and well, you don't have to pay the tax squad tax. You then you end up with a bunch of veterans and Terminators, and then it frees up all your elite slots to take, uh, you know, apothecaries or rapiers or the dreaded quad mortar. Yep, all day, guys. I mean, it's just a solid list. This was one of the first this is the most taken one like i mean i don't know if it is anymore if you if you took if you took every heresy game ever played to date and counted how many times this right of war even like even though it was kind of more in the past it would still be the most taken right of war over the history of 30k i think especially with the release of the kalth box because you can make all of your marine the, the marines are veteran marines that you can make out of the kalth box right it's it, hands down i mean just out the gate you can take a Pride of the Legion list and make your Kalf box into a 2,000-point list. 
I mean, you just basically you're taking veterans instead of the normal tactical Marines. You're taking Terminators, and they're all counting as you know troop choices. So it's just it's a solid solid way to go. Uh, if you're looking at your Kalth box right now, this is a really good choice because this is something that you could take your Kalth box and make veterans, and it's something that later on, if you decide, like, eh, I want to try something else, I want to try a different ride of war, then you just turn those veterans into normal tactical squad, just don't tell them to their face, and, you know, you're good to go from there. Yeah, the the biggest restriction on this is the new restriction they put on it. You can tell it was really common and probably too good because they this is one of the few that the restrictions got worse on when they updated the rules so the the part about half and the majority of the units must have a legion of stardies it's still fairly easy to get around because if you think like you have three hq slots which are all independent characters and they all count as independent uh they're a unit under themselves during army construction so let's just say you take you know whatever care you have to have a character to unlock the right of war anyway so you're already one ahead there and then if you take another character, let's say you take a chaplain or whatever, now you're two ahead. And then for each um, squad that you buy of like Legion, Terminators, or Veteran Tactiles, you usually want to buy a transport. So you're just swapping one for one. So really those two that you are ahead, you use those on like your things like a, a flyer or like a, a one-off tank unit or something like that. And then if you need to get back ahead, you can take things that don't require t- dedicated transport like assault marines or um bikers apothecaries, apothecaries th- other tech things marines. like that yeah. tech marines anything like that i think tech marines are the cheapest way to get legion of Stardust. yeah but, uh, yeah yeah but i mean if you're just looking for like not that they're not because you can't join those guys the units is the only problem so in right. a lot of lists they're a little bit pointless so like you could always just run like a small unit of five outriders you know, or or run a couple like run three attack bikes with auto cannons or something on it. It's pretty good. Or run like a small unit of jet bikes is always good. Uh, rapier batteries, they don't need a transport. And they have a legion of starties. You can take rapiers um, or quad mortars, anything like that. So it, it's usually not going to be an issue. For you know, it's pretty easy to work around. Is all I'm saying. And the two points thing, like if you build, if you're taking this right of war, you're probably wanting to take a lot of veteran tax and terminators. So let's say you like between those two types of units, you have like five of them. If you lose all those guys, you're typically lost the game. Yeah. Anyway. So, I mean, it can't, I guess it could make a difference. I've never seen it make a difference personally. Um, It used to only be one point instead of two, but I mean, I don't know. It's definitely something to keep in mind. You don't want to forget it because it could happen, I guess, but it's one of those things. It's going to be fairly rare that that matters. So the biggest the other thing is you got to keep in mind is like you cannot take an allied force detachment at all with this because some some of these rights of war will say you can't take another uh, legion of stardis allied detachment meaning you can have you can ally with mechanicum or solar ox or militia but not another space marine legion this one is no allies whatsoever so you can't ally with anyone it's the best of the best they don't need allies yep. they don't want to be diluted <laughs> the stronger strongest alone here in Blackheart. So, anyway, I, I love this right of war. Um, on our, uh, so you have a Kalf box review that we did, the generic list I built that people should look into if they're just starting out and want a cheap whatever. This is the right of war I used to build that list. So it's beautiful. It's pretty solid. Uh, it's definitely, it's one that you always like 
filter through your head. Like it's something you always need to remember. Like when you build an army list, there are a lot of times I've found like I'll build a list and like after I'm looking at it for a while on paper, I'm like, you know, if I just made this a pride of the Legion list, you know, I, I could then, you know, do this, this or that. Like it's one, it's like just such a go-to. Definitely get to just remember yeah. it. Yeah. So anyway, that's a good one. Super easy too. See what the next one? I will take the next one. This is my this is currently my favorite Rite of War. So this is Rite of War Armored Breakthrough. So when a Legion Astartes force gives battle on a planetary scale, it often deploys a mass of far-ranging armored vehicles. They're orders to push ahead of the line companies and punch through enemy lines in order to sow death and confusion in the rear areas. Tank commanders in these formations are trained to act under their own initiative, and their vehicles are often equipped with additional fuel reserves and their engines upgrade to achieve even greater range and speed than others of their class. So the effects of this. So armor of the line. So Legion Predator Strike Armored Squadrons, armed with Predator Cannon Turret and Sponson weapons only, must be taken, must be taken, as compulsory troop choices in the in this detachment. And may be taken as additional troop choices. Legion Sakaran battle tanks may be taken as elites in this attachment. Um, you also have access to a special guy called a Master of the Armor. A single Sakaran or Predator of any type available to Legion Astartes Age of Darkness army list may be taken as a company command vehicle. It counts as an HQ choice for the purposes of selecting this right of war only. So basically, if you upgrade it becomes where it gains master of the legion but it only gains master of the legion for purposes of selecting this particular right of war uh so uh it may also be the army's warlord if this is the case instead of rolling a warlord trait the vehicle uh has the super heavy command tank uh vehicle upgrade regardless of its type so it doesn't actually have to be a super heavy but it just gains the rules of that and increases its ballistic skill by one at no additional cost. So it's a pretty cool upgrade. Um, Then extended range. This is the big thing that makes this so good. Um, All vehicles uh, with the tank type that have three or fewer hull points gain the fast type if they do not already have it. It's huge. We'll get to that in a minute. So... Limitations. All infantry squads. It's important to remember that it's infantry squads. So, like once again, bikes, jet bikes, things like that don't they don't count for this. So, all infantry units that can do can do so must purchase a dedicated transport, and those with the option uh, must be deployed mounted, or those without the option must be de- deployed mounted in another vehicle, which itself has a transport capacity. All such vehicles must have the tank type or super heavy tank type. Um, the detachment may not have more flyers or skimmers in total than it has tanks. That's important to note that it doesn't say unit. It's actually on a model-for-model model basis. Um, and also, the detachment may not include any fortifications or immobile units. So that's all the restrictions. So I love this because Predators typically aren't that great. Because, like, basically when you buy a Predator, you're only going to upgrade the turret because if it moves... Because the way vehicles work, if you're not a fast vehicle, if you move at all, you only get to shoot one gun at full ballistic skill. 
and then the other snap fires. So there's really no reason to put sponsons on anything for the most part. Um, this allows you to get like, you can really upgun your tanks because becoming fast, you can move six inches and fire all your weapons at full ballistic skill or move 12 inches and fire two at full ballistic skill. Okay. So that's a big deal. Um, also the predators as troops, it's the, I don't know, like if you just wanted to get two cheap compulsory troop choices, um, you can take two 75 point predators for a total of 150 points in troops. I don't think there is any other way to get your two compulsory troops cheaper than that in the entirety of the game. So, um, that's that can be good because there's so many things with implacable advance where they also become scoring. You could actually use this uh, right of war as a way to um, max out veteran squads or something like that because you could take this right of war to get your two troops for really cheap and then put all your points into like veteran squads, which also still score, you know, things like that. Um, I think you can also get using that way of thinking if you took six individual predators and then maxed out your elites with things with a blackable advance i think that you in the smallest amount of points you can get the most amount of scoring units of any army if you wanted to um if there's just a lot a lot of things you can do with this uh right of war it's extremely good and i have a feeling that in the future they may actually uh, change some of the restrictions on this because it's a might be a little too good it's kind of like how pride of the legion used to be where it's like, why am I not taking this? This is definitely something to like sit down and look at right now. Like if you're listening to this and you haven't bought a calf box or anything yet, and you're thinking, Hmm, I wonder how I'm going to run this. If you decide to go this route of war, it completely changes the list composition you will make. Like it, there's not a whole lot of turning back once you go with this right. route of war. So if you are considering armored breakthrough, you know, what's weird about this? So the the one mistake I do see a lot of people make with this is they totally shun anything that's not a tank and just take full tanks because you can. This is the only way you can straight take a full tank army because you can take your HQ tank, which unlocks the right of war, then take nothing but predators as troops, and then fill up all your you know fast heavy support Lord of War elite slots with tanks. If you want, you can have no infantry models in the entire army. Which is cool, and it's you know it could be fluffy, whatever. It's fun. The problem is, it's honestly not that good. You will get your face wrecked by, like sw like swarms of guys with melt bombs. You know if they like have anything like that or any way to like deep strike in like orbital assault or whatever, and they just have like a swarm of guys that you can't kill them all fast enough, and they start assaulting your tanks, they're going to drop like flies, and you have no way to screen them, protect them, you know, do any you know get like it's you. To really run this right of war effectively, you need... It's basically, I look at it as like a mechanized infantry list um, where you put all your guys in rhinos or whatever, but you, I think it works best if you still keep it a fairly equal mix of tanks and non-tank units, whether those be bikes or infantry and rhinos or um, jet bikes or something like that. That's just my opinion on it, though. Very much so. It is a different investment, though. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's a cool ride of war. I just like it because it's so flexible. You can do so many cool things with it, um, it, it and it works. It works for a lot of legions. I mean, obviously, it's fluffier with you know certain legions than others. But once again, I mean, it's not like 
I mean, sir, the only legions that I can think right off the top of my head that just does not seem fluffy at all, like Raven Guard, it specifically states in their fluff, like on multiple occasions, they don't like stuff like this. It's too loud. Yeah, it like stuff like that. But I mean, most other legions, it, it makes, you know, sense for. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any others that would just be like, no way we're doing that. I mean, pretty much everybody else would have an occasion or, you know, and the war gear to pull something like this off. Um, so, it, you know, it's it's a really cool ride of war. Definitely look into it if you like like tanks, like mech infantry, you know, like putting your guys in rhinos, rhino rush, that type of army. It works great. You're going to have a good time all around. Yeah. You'll have a good time. And then even like with the new pinnel weapons on rhinos, it's so hilarious to have rhinos that can drive 12 inches and still shoot your multi-melt at full ballistic skill. All day. It's pretty awesome. 36 inch range Melta. Yeah. So, all right, your turn. All right. So, this next one is uh, not allowed all the time. There's so many tournaments and everything. This is, don't build your army list around this, but we'll definitely go over it. Uh, it's going to be the Primarch's chosen route of war. So, while the Primarchs of Legion Astartes frequently led their legions from the very front, commanding tens of thousands of their sons in vast sweeping battles, many also undertook missions on a smaller scale, if of equal or greater strategic import. Primarchs led boarding actions against enemy warships, for example, or launched decapitation strikes to seek out and eliminate their foe's high command. Accompanied by a select band of their most trusted warriors, it was considered an insurmountable honor to be chosen to fight alongside the Primarch in this manner. At one often reserved for a legion preeminent company, battalion, or chapter. So the effects are Lord and Master. When taken in this detachment, a Primarch is counted as an HQ choice instead of Lord or War choice and must be both the detachment's compulsory HQ choice and the Army's Warlord. When using the Rite of War, a Primarch may be taken in any size of army. So generally, guys, with this Rite of War, or I guess if if you're listening to this and you probably don't understand how you could even take a Primarch in the first place, generally what you look at is you take a Primarch as a Lord of War choice, which you are limited to 25% of your army size. So there's a cap on the amount of points you can spend on a Lord of War choice. So I think what's the cheapest Lord of War or what's the cheapest well, Primarch? Well, it doesn't, you, it, you can't take a Lord of War in an army that's less than 2,000 points. Okay. Yeah. But the cheapest the cheapest primer is 380 points. So this removes the restriction of making him a Lord of War and puts him in your HQ choice. So uh, also th- another thing grants you is Legion Veteran Tactical Squads or Legion Terminator Squads must be taken as compulsory troop choices for the Army. Uh, limitations. Uh, in addition to the Price of Failure Special Rule in play when the primer is fielded, if the Primarch is slain, all of the units in the attachment cease to count as scoring units, but may still count as denial units. Uh, the number of units with the Legion Stardust Special Rule in this detachment must be greater than the units without the Legion Stardust Special Rule in total, and no Lord of War choice, no Lord of War choice, may be ta- taken in this detachment. So, I mean, this is just a good way to get your get your Primarch. If you if you bought the Horus model because you like Sons of Horus and you just kind of wanted to. Hit, hit it hard, this is a way to get that model in the field. Uh, unfortunately, you're not going to get to play this as often as you'd like. It's just not something... I mean, there's, the, out the gate, there's a lot of things that... A lot of tournaments, a lot of events that specifically deny this right of war uh, just because... 
I guess it would be smaller points games that you would. It's only small. This? That's the other thing. Like the, this, this right award doesn't really make any because if you play two thousand points, you can take any. No Primark is more than five hundred points. Right. So if you play two thousand points or more, you can just take your Primark as your Lord of War, and this doesn't gain you a Lord of War slot because you're not allowed to take a Lord of War with it. So you're basically robbing Peter to pay Paul. So the only advantage here is that you don't have to take a compulsory HQ because your Primark counts as that. So essentially you, but you can take a generic Centurion for 50 points. So you're really saving 50 points to run this right of war. So I don't, there's no purpose for it other than to take a Primark in a game of less than 2,000 points. But then I don't see how you're not like gaming the system and being a dick. <laughs> you're getting your Horus or your, your, your massive Lord of War into Zone Mortalis. We get it. We get it. Yeah. I mean, that's your... pretty much, uh, that's the only reason I see that this exists is so that you can run a Primark in Zone Mortalis. That's it. That's pretty much it. I mean, really, guys, uh, it's that, that is the only really use that I could see is to get a Primark in a game of Zone Mortalis. Uh, if you're running a 1,500-point game, which is something you'll rarely see uh, playing 30K, I mean, if you're listening to this, then it might be something that you don't know about yet. But that is, th- this would be the way to get it in as well. And if you go to an event, any any event that I'm aware of, if they run it at less than 2,000 points, it's for the sole express purposes to disallow Lord of War. So this is the first thing they're going to do is ban this. Yeah. So, I like I said, I don't. I don't really see the the point of it. And then every Zoe Mortalis event that I've seen also bans it. So, yeah. So not not a lot of times you get to play this out in the wild. Yeah. In I the, mean, if you just you and your friends want to play and you want to put a you know your Primark in your Zoe Mortalis army, this is this is really the only way to do it. Or maybe you're getting some 30k on 40k action and you want to find a way to. You're gonna play Age of Darkness rules. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I could I could see that. Like if you're if. You know, you're playing in one of those wonky events where they allow 30k on 40k. I could, you know, by all means do this because 40k is a, you know, it. I don't it's know. not going to save really, you. <laughs> it's probably not going to save you, but you might as well pull all the stops out if you're doing that. So I get it. That one's easy enough, guys. I mean, what? There's not a lot to say on it. Yeah, it's, it's a way to get your sweet, sweet. Night Hunter model on the table at fifteen hundred points or seven fifty points. You want to get the next one? Um, yeah, we can. Um, you'll have to help me out with it. I don't play a lot of Mechanicum, um, but so this one's called uh, Right of War Brother uh, Brethren of Iron. So as the relentless wars of the Horus Heresy ground on, few of the legions were spared suffering losses. Uh, on an apocalyptic scale. Most found some means of bolstering their ranks, some conventional, others arcane and prescribed. Uh, One fairly common method was temporarily feeling depleted ranks to induct allied cybernetica manifolds directly into line units, and some fought with such implacable fury that they were granted legion heraldry and afforded a permanent place in the ranks. Few of these Iron Brethren survived long, however, for they were often used as expendable assault waves attacking ahead of more valuable and hard, hard to replace legionnaires. So this one basically allows you to take a lot of Mechanicum units in your army. So the effects of this are 
inducted into the line. Cast elects battle automata mantiples may be taken as non-compulsory troop choices. Vorax battle automata may be taken as non-compulsory fast attack choices, and Domitar battle automata mantiples may be chosen as non-compulsory elite choices. And then instrument of command. Any tech marine may be equipped with a cortex controller for 15 points. So those are the two benefits. So the limitations on this are the detachment may not have more battle automated maniples of any type than it has squads with the Legion of Stardis rule. Um, at least one model with a cortex controller must be included in the detachment per three cybernetica cortex equipped units in the detachment. Um, no battle automata in the detachment may be given the Paragon of Metal special rule. That's an upgrade out of the Mechanicum book. Um, a Forge Lord or Iron Father or Warsmith must be taken as the compulsory HQ choice for this detachment uh, if this right of war is used as the Army's primary detachment. Note that this will prelude certain other characters from being included in the detachment and means in most cases that both a Legion Praetor and Forge Lord must be taken. Um, the only console types that may be included in this detachment are the Forge Lord and the Pravian. So that's pretty much it. So this is another one of those. This kind of, to me, it, it a little bit heralds back to what we said about the Land Raider one because... In the standard Space Marine book, I believe if, if you can take um, units of Castellax, Vorax, and Thalax for each cybernetic or for each um, Cortex controller in your army, yes. just in a normal Legion list. So if you take a Pravian, he comes with his own squad of robots, and then he also has a Cortex controller, which unlocks another squad, so you get two for taking him. And then you could take another Pravian and do the same thing. And then you could take a Forge Lord as your compulsory and get another one. Or take an Iron Father or Warsmith. So you can end up with five squads in a normal Legion list without having to take this right of war. Now, the only thing I really see, I'm, I'm not sure if they updated this or not, but the being able to take a Domitar, this might be the only way to get Domitars yeah. in your Legion army. So far, um, yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm, the cool thing about this is it is fluffy. Like, this is a very fluffy right of war for Iron Hands, stuff like that. Um, so it's definitely not a bad right of war. It's just like, say you play iron hands. If you run an iron, like you're typically going to run an iron father anyway. And then if you want to do something like this, you can just take a couple pravians and the way points usually work out. You're not, you know, unless you just really want domitars, you can do that and still use your right of war on something else, you know, and still basically get the same benefits. Yeah, unless you really, really want to run Mechanicum, like a really Mechanicum-heavy force, I don't see much advantage to this Rite of War. Uh, yeah, I mean, because, like, I mean, you can get, like I said, five units in a standard army, and then you could even ally Mechanicum and get even more if you want, <laughs> you know, so. You could run, like, an Eben Drake-style army, like, with, like, Cassian running around with all the Mechanicum around him, all of his well, the, Mechanicum flunkies. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could. But I think he has a Cortex controller in his new rules. I don't know. I don't have him sitting right in front of me. The upgraded version of him. Okay. He may actually have a Cortex controller, which means he would unlock it. I'm not sure. Don't hold me to that. Michael's looking. Fact checker. That would make a difference, dude. I know he I know he has a Nuncio Vox, which most people forget, which is kind of funny because he's a Dreadnought with a Nuncio Vox. It's a weird thing to have. 
it would be a, it would be a very nice thing for him to have because it would make sense. If you haven't read read book six yet, y'all need to. No, he doesn't have a cortex controller. Does he still have his nuncio box? Yep. Okay. So right. yeah. But um, anyway, th- there's just it's a, it's another one of those. It, it's not that it's not cool. I mean, it's definitely cool and fluffy. And if you want Domitars, it's kind of a must-have, unless you just want to ally them in as a Mechanicum allied force. But there's nothing like really big or huge that this thing gives you that you just can't get in a normal list. It's another bottom of the barrel right of war. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, once again, it's not that these units aren't bad. It's just it it's bottom of the barrel because you can do it without the use of this right of war. Yep. Exactly. So I'll let you do the next one. You're the expert on the next one. I love this one. This one next one's gonna be Fury of the Ancients Right of War. So even at the height of the horse heresy, it was considered wise to keep those legionaries interred within the iron form of the mighty dreadnought in stasis slumber as much as possible, or else risk the total collapse of their sanity. At times, however, circumstances dictated if every available dreadnought be awakened and committed to battle, even at the risk of their minds being sluggish until fully roused by the clamor of war. One such instance was the defense of the World Eater's flagship, the Conqueror, when the only warriors on hand to repel an Ultramarine's boarding assault were the dreadnoughts held in stasis at the vessel's heart. Those world leaders assigned to its defense having been able, unable, to re- unable to resist the urge to join the drop assault on the world of armature below. So this one is dreadnought crazy. Uh, effects are the awakened, so Legion dreadnought talons, Legion contemptor dreadnought talons may be taken as troop choices and must be taken as compulsory troop choices for this attachment but may no longer be taken as elite choices. Uh, the limitations are the attachment must contain a Forge Lord and a Primus Medicae, and the army automatically loses any CZ initiative role. The army may not include any detachment or fortification of any kind. For each dreadnought destroyed from the detachment, the opposing player gains an additional victory point. Okay, so this Rod of War, it's very bittersweet. Like, it's sweet because you get to take all these dreadnoughts, and you get to run all these, like, fun Iron Men flinging around coffins However, with guns it's the most 40k thing ever is that and the Avisar assassin are the most 40k that exactly so i mean it's it's solid guys it, it's it's a lot of fun to play there are some major drawbacks that you gotta think about before you go invest all this money into some dreadnoughts though uh first off if you're wanting any cool hq choice i'm sorry you don't get it because in order to get the right of war in the first place you're gonna have to take a delegatus or a praetor more than likely, you're going to take a Delegatus, though, with a mas- to unlock the Master of the Legion to get the Fury of the Ancients. Or any special character that has Master of the Legion. Yeah, exactly. Well, then, you're going to have to use your other two HQ choices to take the Forge Lord and the Primus Medicae. So, all your HQ out the window. Already. Well, you could technically take your Primarch, which oh. has Master of the Legion, and have a, as a Lord of War, and then have one slot open. And have, yeah. Yes, that's a, that's one way to go too. That, that's the them. only that's the only way to be able to select at least one HQ of your choice. Exactly. So, HQ choice is pretty much taken up, and yeah, you're you're paying for it. The uh, only one I have a problem with, not to interrupt you, why? I mean, I understand you need a Primus medicated and tur the guy, but after that, what the like? I've never like you always. 
there's always a part in the book when they talk about the dreadnought or they're like there's a dreadnought character he's always in like the you know uh armory part with the tech marines working on him and the like the cannon guys working on him there's never a primus medicae involved he's gotta suck out the gooey bits whenever they die i guess but what does that like does he need to be present like while they're fighting can they not do that later like i just don't this is one of the few things that I think Forge World got it wrong on the fluff. It makes no sense that you're required to take a Primus Medicaid. I don't know. It's not like he's built them. It's not like he's. It's not like they're doing it five minutes before the battle begins. <laughs> it, I don't, it doesn't okay. make any sense to me. I understand the Forge Lord. I get that. Don't understand the Primus Medicaid. I, I honestly, I don't. I don't know. And honestly, if you're running this ride of war, you're doing it to play a bunch of dreadnoughts. And so. then you have a random ass. Primus Medicaid just running. So, so you have a Primus Medicaid giving feel no pain to nobody. To himself. To himself. So Or or the Forge Lord. He runs around and just like stitches up the Forge Lord. They they run around together. I don't know. So that that's a major drawback is pretty much a lot of your HQ choices getting taken up. Uh another big thing that they added in like recently, uh, originally the first round of this specific route of war was your troop dreadnoughts counted as additional victory points for uh the enemy now it's each dreadnought destroyed from the attachment so that counts for cortis dreadnoughts contemptor dreadnoughts legion dreadnoughts mortis dreadnoughts uh leviathan Dorado. dreadnoughts daredeos any dreadnought that dies in this army gives another point uh it is a huge game turner i mean like there's no you, you, it's not going to be this is a table table your opponent or lose or lose pretty much army like to be honest like not to hurt michael's feelings this really honestly is a, a great right of war the yeah. only cool thing about it is that it's unique like it does give you something like it gives you something unique you can't replicate in any other way i guess i mean a, a little because those because they score like you can get this many dreadnoughts in a normal army because you got four elite slots and you get three per talon, but they don't score. So this is a way to get a bunch of scoring units that are also dreadnoughts. But the problem is it's typically offset by the fact that when they die, they give up a point. Yep. So it's it's kind of I don't know it's it's kind of weird. Like I don't. I mean, really, if you're running like a twenty five hundred point army, there's a possibility to have what like. 10 dreadnoughts i think is what it comes down to if you just like run all legion dreadnoughts but that's a possible like you know 10 victory points sitting on the table it's it's pretty brutal you could really mess yourself up by just losing dreadnoughts yeah well i mean you could i don't know what points would work out because they're one they're 125 points but the, the actual maximum number you could take as troops choices would be 18 Ugh. But they're they're 125 base, so it'd be 1800, and then 25 times 18 would be another. What is that four? So, what is that? 19, almost 2,000 points yeah. in dreadnoughts for just 18 box dreads on foot. It's nine 1900 and some points. And that's 18 point 18 or 19 victory points sitting on the table for your opponent to get which normally they wouldn't be able to get anything close to that with any sort of normal mission they're running. but Right, plus they can kill the Force Lord and get a 20th. <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah. it's it's not the best route of war. I personally have an army dedicated. I mean, use, that uses this route of war, but it's one of those things you have to go in knowing that you're not going to win every time or hardly ever. It's, it's just like the, well, the, some of these other ones we were talking about, like the Brotherhood of Iron or the the one with, like if you just want a sh- like more than three storm eagles and you want to run that other one right award like you just have to know going in that yeah it's not the greatest it's just something i want to do <laughs> you're gonna basically give your opponent points yeah so yeah i mean that one's simple enough that's just the dreadnought one if you like dreadnoughts i mean i know that when i first started this game dreadnoughts are you know i i remember i first saw a little blue dreadnought model a little blue ultramarine on the box felt Fell in love. It's what brought me into the game, so I had to dedicate an army to him. So, you want the next one? Um, yes. Outcast Sons. Oh, there we go. Outcast Sons. So, only long after the Horus Heresy, well into the period known as the Scouring, was the Imperium able to discern something of the awful truth of just how far the Warmaster's treachery had infected the once steadfast Legion Astartes. Even legions believed wholly loyal were found to have been tainted in some way. With small contingents of legionnaires, often those serving far from their brethren or on detached duty along with those more overt in their treachery, siding with the war master. None can say for certain how many whites, hers, or iron hands, for example, served in the ranks of the traitors, uh, for the records have long since been purged, least any hint of dishonor endure. So this writer war represents a small traitor element uh, of an otherwise loyal legion driven to betrayal by the force by force of will or hubris of a powerful and influ- influential leader. Players are, of course, free to use any right of war with any legion as loyalists or traitors. This option is provided to focus in on this particular element of a force's character. So this is basically, you know, just like very heavily fluff oriented right of war. So the effects, brothers no more. Characters in this detachment must always issue and accept challenges against enemy models with the Legion of Stardi special rule. When fighting in a challenge, such characters have the preferred enemy Legion of Stardi special rule. Um, betrayers. Models in the detachment with the Legion of Stardi special rule may re-roll sweeping advances against enemies with the Legion of Stardi special rule. Cut from the same cloth. D3 units in this detachment gain the scout special rule when the warlord of the enemy army has the same legion-specific version of the Legion Astarte special rule as their warlord. This rule is made sorry, excuse me, immediately before infiltration moves are made. So the limitations. This right of war may only be taken by attachment whose warlord has one of the following versions of the Legion Astarte's rule. Salamanders, Raven Guard, Iron Hands, Imperial Fist, Space Wolves, White Scars, Blood Angels, Dark Angels, I have to question that one, uh, and (laughs) Ultramarines. (laughs) Uh, So basically all the loyal ones and apparently fence sitters too. Uh, The detachment may never have more leech choices than it has troop choices, so they want you to take troop heavy army. Uh, The detachment may not be taken, may not take any units marked as only available to a loyalist army. So in the book, when you buy these books, they have a little, um, they either have no icon, like which means you, anybody can take them, or they'll have a little Eye of Horus on the page, which means it's a traitor-only unit, or they'll have a Imperial Aquila, which means it's a loyalist-only. Right. So that's what that means. 
uh, so models from this detachment which have the Legion Astartes rule count uh, all allies in the same force with the by the War Master's command. This overrides the or- normal Age of Darkness allies matrix. So basically, you're going to be the most, the worst level of allies with everybody. Because <laughs> you're scum and a traitor. Right. So, like, basically, their little uh, caveat here, this option is provided to focus in on the, the, the particular element of this force character says it all. This is pure fluff. There's no re- Like, if you're wanting to be competitive, you're just going to take your white scars and make them traitor and not have to deal with all these drawbacks because the advantages for taking this are not great. Mm, preferred enemy Legion Start isn't bad. It's only on characters in the challenge. Oh, never mind. It's not great. <laughs> And then you get to reroll sweeping advance. It's not, it's okay, I guess. And then the D3 units gain scout, but it's only if it's a mirror match. So the, like, I, I see the cool thing about this would be like, if you're doing an ongoing narrative campaign or an escalation league or something like that. So like, let's say that you start up, you're playing an escalation league and you have like a 500 point army you start off with and maybe something happens and like they get dicked over in the campaign or you just feel like, you know, something happens that would make them want to like follow this path. You know, you could take this right award to represent that for like a, a campaign day or something like that. That would be kind of cool. Yeah. I don't see a lot of people using this very often. It gets overlooked a lot. I have never even, I, I forgot it existed until you made me read it. <laughs> just, just saying. So, I, I mean, just the the restrictions on this, uh, the having uh, may never have more elites than it has troops. Um, I mean, that's not too bad. Not being able to take anything for loyalists, that's not bad. I don't know. I mean, it's just not, it's like basically just pure for fluff purposes. So, I mean, I could see, like I said, campaign day or you're building a very, like, fluff the army to take to a, a narrative event or something like that. But I mean, even if you're like, even going to a narrative event, I think I would still just take my white scars or whatever, call them traitor and then take another, you know, whatever right of war I wanted to run, which you can do guys, by yeah. the way. Yeah. It specifically says you can. So I don't know. This was like, we need one more right of war. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I don't know. So do you want we'll me to move do on from this? Yeah, go ahead. Hit the next one. So this next one is a lot of fun. This is called the Sky Hunter Phalanx. A Sky Hunter Phalanx represent a mustering of large numbers of Legion's fastest anti-grav units and or specialized chapters consisting entirely of such assets. Sky Hunter Phalanxes are employed to range ahead of large Legion deployments and to engage forward enemy units before they can react, embarking on a wide flanking maneuver that isolate and then decapitate the foe. So the effects are Sky Hunter Elite, which means Legion Jet Bike Sky Hunter squadrons may be taken as troop choices in a primary detachment using this right of war. And Rapid Encirclement. Jet Bikes, including those taken as mounts by the independent characters, may leave the table in their own movement phase and be placed in ongoing reserves. These units re-enter play using the outflank special rule. Uh, the, the limitations are the only vehicles allowed in this army are those that have skimmer or flyer type. Uh, all infantry units in this, the army must be in the game deployed in the flyer that has a sufficient amount of transport capacity to carry them. Uh, other than infantry transported and flying transported vehicles, the only unit types that may be taken are jet bikes. 
the army may not include a fortification attachment or an allied detachment. So this is going to be, if you love jet bikes, if you love running jet bikes, this is a, and, and you, you don't want to pay for troops. This is a jet bike army. This is a pretty brutal ride of war. Like yeah. this is one, when I originally read it, I was kind of like, uh, like really like we, the, this is very 40 K esque in its power level. In my opinion, jet bikes are pretty rough. I got to play this army in a, uh, in a zone mortalis game. It was pretty brutal. Yeah. The other thing I notice in this is the rapid encirclement where it says, um, may leave the table in their own movement phase. It does not mention anything about a restriction about being locked in close combat. So to me, rules is written. You can just leave close combat. So you don't need hit and run or anything like you. It's, you just leave. It's actually better than hit and run. You don't have to test. You just leave. May leave the table in their own movement phase. I think that means they have to drive off the table, though. So you're you're saying they like physically have to have enough movement to move off the table? Yeah, they have to like move move off the table. Is what I feel like that that means. I don't think it just means you pick up your models and say they're off the table now. (laughs) Okay. Away. Like balloons. Mm, Okay, I guess. Yeah, that makes more sense. But the other thing, like, people need to understand ongoing reserves, the way on, like, ongoing reserves isn't like they go in reserves and you have to start rolling for them again. Ongoing reserves means on your next turn, anytime that you're eligible to roll for reserves, they automatically come on if they're in reserve. Which is great. So, but anyway, so yeah. So I guess that's not quite as powerful as I thought it was. Um, but these units re-enter the play using outflank. So what this would be good for... So you can start start them on the table in your deployment zone, and then instead of like having to drive across the board, which you really shouldn't have to anyway because jet bikes shoot so far, but let's say you took a bunch of them with you know, multi-meltas or something like that to pop tanks, but your opponent is you know really tricky about keeping that front arc towards you, you can just fly them off like your back table edge or the side table edge or whatever, and then next turn, auto come on because you don't have to roll because they're an ongoing reserve. So turn one, you could like first turn of the game, take half your jet bikes and just fly them off the board. Cause you can deploy them right next to the board edge. And then on turn two, they automatically come on from out flank <laughs> right on the other side of the enemy, right on the, like from the side, whatever. So it's extreme. Like that's extremely powerful. It, I mean, it gives you a lot of options. Um, and jet bikes are brutal, man. They have a, a two up armor save. Uh, you can stay really far back and shoot with them. Like their basic guns, a heavy bolter. So they have a threat range of 48 inches. They can move 12, shoot 36. Um, they move, they turbo boost really, they move 12 can turbo boost, uh, 20 or 18. So they have, they can move really, really far if you need to. Um, every model in the squad can take melt bombs. They come stock standard with bolt pistol close combat weapons. So they're two attacks base all the time. Um, they're good. Really, really, really powerful unit. So if you really like jet bikes, it's really good. Um, this works well. Like, obviously, White Scars take great advantage of this. I think Dark Blood Angels. Angels... Dark Angels are another one because they can buy the mutagenic uh, acid rounds for everything. Of course, they have their own right of war, which basically allows jet bikes as troops. So you'll probably... The Ravenwing one. I think it's slightly better than this. I'll probably go with that instead. Yeah. So... The ones that don't already have, like, because the White Scars already have a right of war that's like this too. So the the armies that don't already have a right of war that this would be cool with, 
So you could do like Alpha Legion because like mutable tactics on top of this would be really good. Like giving all these guys tank hunter, giving all these guys infiltrate. God, so brutal. Um, I think you can also give all these you can give all these guys counterattack, which like doesn't sound like super great when you but it's like they're already two attacks base, so it means even if you charge them, they're getting three attacks because they got counterattack with Alpha Legion. Um there's like that's good. Um I can't remember if it says bolt pistols, combat weapon, or chain sword. But if they do get a chain sword, you could give them all chain axes. If you're a war leader army, which would be kind of funny, you could build a bunch of like jet bike guys wielding chain axes. Um, a salamander army. It's not fluffy at all to take this right of war, but uh, salamanders can replace any heavy bolter with a heavy flamer. So you, you could, for just to be the one like weirdo, you could have a army with 40 jet bikes in it that all have heavy flamers <laughs> <laughs> that would be different i guess please do it please uh, do it so i mean i don't know i was just throwing like throwing some crazy stuff out there um but yeah it's definitely uh i don't think you can take this with iron hands because of their uh i think you have to have a certain amount of infantry units like in an iron hands army but so I don't think you could take it. But if you could take it, this would be super brutal because of uh, getting the minus one to strength coming in on jet bikes. Uh, Imperial Fists, once again, I don't think it's super fluffy, but they get plus one ballistic skill on all bolt weapons, which all these guys have heavy bolters. So that's pretty strong. Uh, yeah, so that's pretty much it. I like it. It's a fun one. Uh, once again, this is one of those armies that you have to... Uh, you have to commit. Like it's not. Yeah, they're, they're like you, there. I don't think there's any Kalthbox units you can use in this army. Yeah. So Unless, if you were even, well, let's see. Only vehicles can all infantry units in the army must begin in a fly. Okay, so you'd have to buy like three Storm Eagles to put your tactical squads in, and buy like a Dreadclaw to put your Terminators in. But like you said, this is definitely like this is going to be for somebody who just wants to run a bunch of jet bikes. So if you're just new to the game, maybe come back to this one when you start your second army of white scars. Yeah. But then you're going to use the white scar right away. Yeah. To me, this is like a funny one for alpha legion. Like if you just want to, and to be honest, like if you're playing alpha legion, you might as well go full ham and be a total dick anyway. So it's kind of what their MO. <laughs> they get the, <laughs> they get the excuse to be dicks. Yeah. They get a pass. It's like, Oh, that's a cheesy. Or, oh, you're playing alpha legion. All right. I get it. I get it. It's fluffy. It's fluffy to be cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> Guess let's move on from that one. Next yep. one's up is Orphans of Betrayal. I'll take this one too. Okay. Though the atrocity committed at Istvan Three purged the ranks of the Sons of Horus, Death Guard, Emperor's Children, and World Eaters of those who would not follow their Primarchs in their treachery, there were other elements of these and other traitor legions serving much further afield at the forefront of distant expositions or in the households of militant rogue traders, for example. Upon returning to the Imperium, some of these small scattered units rejected their kin's treachery and began a lonely war against their erstwhile brethren. Often unacknowledged by either side, their deeds unrecorded for misattributed in the official histories or else lost to the anarchy that was the Age of Darkness. So this right of war represents the small loyalist element of otherwise traitor legion shielded from the taint that claimed their brethren by the 
purity and conviction of a powerful leader. Players are, of course, free to use any route of war with any legion as loyalist traitors. This option is provided to focus on this particular element of the Force's character. So this is the opposite of the other one. This is opposite of Outcast Sons. So this yeah. is no, like you want to... Do it. Go ahead. I was just going to say I had to bring up that it shields you from taint. It's always good to shield the taint. It always shield your taint, boys. Yeah. So brothers no more. Characters in attachment must always issue and accept challenges against enemy models with the Legion Star special rule. When fighting in challenges, each character gains feel no plane four plus. It's actually pretty cool. Yeah, in challenges of feel four plus feel no pain is pretty brutal. Yeah, pretty good. All models in the attachment with the Legion Star special rule have the hatred special rule against enemy space marines with the Legion specific version of that rule as them. So if you're fighting your own uh, brothers, like if you're world leader on world leader action. You get your. Uh, this your, one's just going off the special rules. This one's definitely better than the other one. I still don't think it's a great right of war, but anyway, continue yeah. going on. All models in attachment are immune to fear special rule when it's caused by their own primarch. So, very specifically, <laughs> if you're fighting your own legion's primarch, then you're immune to his fear that he makes. Yeah. And honestly, guys, just to just since we're on the point of fear. Uh, there is no, and they shall know no fear nope. in 30 K. Yep. And there's so much stuff out there that causes fear. Keep that in mind. Yeah. If, if your opponent and yourself remembers, it's one of those things. A lot of people forget. Yeah. I forget all the time because my gal Vorbeck calls it. And I always forget. Yeah. There's a lot of things. All super heavy tanks cause fear. Yep. It's crazy. But anyway, you won't don't, you don't have to worry about your Primark. You're not afraid of him. I would still be, even if, but whatever. Maybe doubly so. It's like when your dad gets pissed at you, you're always scared of your dad, right? <laughs> I'd be extra afraid of anger. I'd be extra afraid. Mad at me. Yeah. <laughs> so, this right of war may only be taken by an attachment whose warlord has one of the following versions of the Legion Sardis special rule. Legion Sardis, Sons of Horus, Death Guard, World Eaters, Emperor's Children, Iron Warriors, Word Bearers, Alpha Legion, Night Lords, and Thousand Sons. Basically all the traitor armies, guys. Uh, the attachment may not take any units marked as only available to a trader army. Uh, once again, that's the IFORS. The detachment may not include allied space marines. The detachment may not take any fortifications. The detachment may never have more heavy support choices than it has troop choices. Uh, so that means basically it's like you're limiting yourself because you wouldn't have access to a full arsenal of heavy. Right heavy uh, it's weird tanks. that this is the mirror of the other right of war but it's also different like they gave it different restrict like it's kind of odd yeah you would you would have thought they just would like straight flipped it around i guess it's kind of cool that they thought about it enough to give you different stuff i think this is better than the other one but i still wouldn't use it i think i'd just paint my guys whatever and then do whatever i wanted with them or build black shields yeah i feel like these dudes would be much harder than the than the uh loyalist version but the outcast sons are not as great as these dudes. Yeah. These dudes are much harder. But this is another, like, everything we said about the other one is true about this one, about it just basically being, like, for fluff. Fluff reasons is why you would take it. Don't build your I mean, army list because of this. They <laughs> or based eat, I mean, on this. They, this is the only, like, time I can ever remember Games Workshop that's basically says this option is provided, blah, blah, blah. They're basically saying, we know it sucks. It's for fluff. Don't write us emails. <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of funny small caveat boys <laughs> yeah so 
Anyway, so you, we're good with that one? Yeah, we're good with that All one, right. guys. Don't go Dramulus based on that Rod of War. Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, well, well let's, let's say don't. I mean, maybe somebody just really wants to run it because it's fluffy. Never say never, Michael. I'm sticking by what I said. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Rod of War, Drop Assault Vanguard. So this is the other uh, jump pack Rod of War I mentioned earlier. So... A doctrine mastered by the Legion of Astartes in the earliest days of the Great Crusade's expansion into the galaxy. An assault vanguard involved massed dropships passing low over the battlefield in order to disgorge jump-packed-equipped assault squads from their open hatches. Uh, with the skies over their heads turned black by the descent of the Angels of Death, foes were overwhelmed, and few could stand against such a concentration of overwhelming force. Well, I wish this were fucking true... And uh, Storm Eagles had the rule where you could deep strike out of them with Assault Marines, but they don't. So I call bullshit on this because Storm Ravens weren't invented yet. Just saying. (laughs) So um, the effects. So death from above. At least half the Legion assault squads in the army must always interplay using the deep strike special rules. At the beginning of the controlling player's first turn, the assault vanguard may deploy all of its legion assault squads at once. So right off the bat, this one's better than the other one because of the whole problem of, you know, put it wanting to put things in reserve and taking units that go in reserve and having to roll form all that. A lot of that's eliminated, but we'll get back to it. So the second advantage is darken the skies in the player turn after that, in which the assault vanguard deploys, Enemy models within 12 inches may only fire snapshots against them. This seems really powerful at first, but then you realize that it's only 12 inch, like it's only models that are within 12 inches. So it's not super great. Uh, once again, we'll get back to it. So Storm of Angels. In the assault phase of a controlling player's second game turn, all of the assault squads... Uh, of the assault vanguard gain the hit and run special rule. So basically they come in, they sit there for a turn. Then the next turn, you're actually able to uh, move an assault. Then on that particular turn, you gain hit and run. But then after that, you lose it again. So it's very specific as to when you get it. Uh, Limitations. So compulsory troop choices made for this detachment must be Legion assault squads. Uh, only units that can deploy via deep strike or embarked upon a transport vehicle with the flyer type may be taken in the army. The army may not include any immobile units. The army may not include a fortification detachment or an allied detachment. So, like I said, this if you like that uh, other right of war, or at least from a fluff standpoint, this shares almost the identical fluff of the other one um, and basically allows you to do the same shit, only way better. Way better. Um... So the the reason the snapfire thing isn't as powerful as it seems is because it's only 12 inches, your guys don't have anything to minimum scatter when they come in. So it's like you kind of don't want to place them within 12 inches anyway because if you do, you have a chance of scattering on enemy models. And then even if you do decide to be risky and do that and your enemy's turn, they get to move six inches typically. So they just move six inches away and then shoot you anyway without having to snap fire. So it really only helps you against shit like flamers or melted guns or pistols or things that only have a 12-inch range. 
Right. I guess it does kind of keep him from rapid firing at you, but it's or not. Fearing. Or furying, but it's not. It, it's it's not nothing, but it's close. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's fun. It's a fun. It's a fun. Uh, fun rules. Yeah. Don't, don't. And then once again, like a lot of the armies that you want to run jump packs with, like Blood Angels, uh, Raven Guards, stuff like that, they already have rights of war that you're going to want to take over this. Yeah. So, um. I think this this is another one that it's fluffy for a lot of legions, but I mean certain ones like I don't. This seems pretty like something that like Iron Hands, Imperial Fist, Salamanders would kind of stay away from, just from a fluff standpoint. I mean, if you wanted to do an army that was like this from one of those legions, I don't, you know, I don't think anybody would be mad if you had Imperial Fist to jump packs. It just doesn't really make a lot of sense with the fluff, right? I don't really see very many armies taking this fluff-wise that don't have access to their own version of, like, a drop assault vanguard. Right. So it's not bad. If if you're, uh, if for whatever reason you really like assault marines and you're not playing one of those armies that already has a right of war that allows that, like, say you're playing Alpha Legion or you're playing, um, trying to think of, uh, this actually might be kind of cool with White Scars. I mean, I could see White Scars doing something like this. Um, you could uh, you could use this right of war. I don't think it's it's that bad. I mean, like I said, I'm not a huge fan of Assault Marines. There's some cool combos you could run with this with uh, with Raven Guard. Uh, you could basically take Strike Commander Mon on the table. He'll have Infiltrate. Infiltrate. He'll have his 18 uh, inch No Scatter. Yeah. And basically get the guys exactly where they need to show up first turn. Yep. So, I mean, there, there's there's some fun Raven Guard shenanigans you could play with this, but that's just off the top of my head what I can think of. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure there's other things. Um, like I said, that with this review is basically just, you know, quickly go through it. We were, so, um, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think this is a bad one. It's not definitely something you shouldn't just totally ignore if you like jump packs. I mean, definitely read it, look at it, and weigh your options. And if you're just getting into the game, this is going to be something that you could possibly do. Uh, pick up some third-party jump packs and turn all your Kalth Marines into... Actually, Mark IV jump packs aren't... Because Sanguinary Guard from 40K, uh-huh. um, they use the same jump pack. Like, the little wings aren't actually part of it. They're, like, something you add on later. Right. So a lot of uh, sites, like, a lot of eBay sites, or like bit sellers, you can just buy Mark IV jump, jump packs that are the same as the uh, resin ones or just plastic version, which is kind of cool. I was having trouble finding them. It's the only reason I even mentioned. Oh, okay. Third well, party never, stuff. I'm an idiot. I'm just saying that, <laughs> that that does exist as an option. Yeah, definitely sanguinary guard bits are a way to go to get that Mark four, that sweet Mark four jump back on Mark four armor action for your calf box. But this is definitely a way to go. I mean, if you want an all jump troop army, versus the two rights of war that you could take, this is definitely the the one that you would want to take over the first one. Yeah. Yep, yeah, I agree. So, and you just go pick up some jump packs online. Make all your sweet Marines jump Marines. So do you want to go over the... the oh, yeah, I guess next one's the Legion Recon Company. Yeah. This is probably yeah. going to be the least taken and most overlooked right of war that I've seen so far, but I'll, I'll go over it. So. I actually, I 
because you know me, I think recon marines are the wor- like probably the worst unit in the book. Like I don't see like any reason for them. Like there's so many things that do their job better than they do for less points. It's kind of like why do these guys? Why are they like? Why? Right. That being said, there are some. There's a couple, few very specific things and lesions you could take with this right award to do some interesting stuff. Let's go over it. Let's talk about it. All right. So. The next one is going to be the Legion Recon Company. All of the Legions maintain bodies of warriors dedicated to the vital battlefield duty of reconnaissance. When the Legion went to war in mass, it was often preceded by such a body, by such a body, serving as pathfinders and scouts for the main force. So the effects, Recon Company. Legion Recon squads are compulsory troop choice in the primary detachment. Forward scouts. All models deployed on the table using the scout or infiltrate special rule gains the shrouded special rule during the first game turn. Uh, that's pretty beneficial to read. Yep. Yep. That's, that was one of the, one of the things I was going to bring up. Uh, rights of observation. When rolling to determine which side takes the first turn and or sees the initiative, a force using this route of war may re-roll the result. Uh, so the limitations are no heavy support units may be, de- may, may be deployed on the battlefield during deployment and must instead be placed into reserves. Uh, the force's primary detachment must include an additional compulsory troop choice, which must be filled by Legion Recon squads. So you got to take three Recon squads. Tax. Just have to. Well, hang it. on. It just says the f- must be taken as which must include an additional compulsory troop. It's only one. You only have to take one. Oh. Just see, it says you must include a third additional compulsory troop, and that one must be a Legion Recon squad. And then the uh, at the top it says uh, Legion Recon squads are compulsory troop choices instead of support, but you don't have to take them. Okay, yeah, I'm thinking so just even though this, ham. Right, right. So e- even though this is a re- quote-unquote recon company, you only have to take one recon squad in the entire army. It's only one is required. 10 four. And then the last the one is I no read units it, or models of Terminator it. armor may be included in the detachment using this right of war. Yeah. So, what's cool about this, so, like, the the big one for me that I, I thought was Alpha Legion, because you can just use your mutable tactic to take Infiltrate and infiltrate a ton of just different veterans of different varieties, which, or Seekers or any of that shit, and it all Infiltrate and start close, and then um, gain Shrouded for the first game turn, which is, you know, if you can infiltrate them up into ruins or something like that, they're going to have a two-up cover save for the first game turn, which is really good. Oh, yeah. Um, also, I believe Night Lords start... Maybe that's only Terror Assault. I don't want to misspeak. I thought they had a some type of cover save out in the open, or is that only in a Terror Assault army? like on the first game turn or during night fight or something like that. I'm not sure to be honest with you. I know Raven guard can take chameleon on their characters, which is stealth. And it confers to the whole unit, which then stacks are shrouded. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's really good. Um, also night fight. Like if it's like half the time it's night fight on the first game turn anyway, and night fight gives you stealth, which obviously stacks are shrouded. So to be honest, this really isn't, that bad like if you're like it's it's very specific like i think if you play alpha legion this is definitely something you could look at it's really not wouldn't be bad because alpha legion has so many uh infiltrating and scouting units just due to their mutable tactics and then like 
the saboteur gets it, um, vigilators get it, a lot of their special characters get it, uh, or not a lot, like Exodus has it, things like that. So this, I mean, it can be pretty cool. And the fact that you're really only locked into having to take one recon squad, it's not terrible. Like if you, you could just literally take a sneaky army. It's a very, very good way to go. Yeah, and it's very fluffy for something like that. Like, if you wanted to, like, I could see this being actually very fluffy with Raven Guard or um, Alpha Legion. I've never seen anybody take this Legion Recon yeah. Company. It might, like I said, it might be fun. the The heavy support units uh, may not be deployed onto the battlefield. That's not to me. That's not huge because you could just take like Fire Raptors as your heavy support, and then they have to start in reserve anyway, or take a Charybdis, a Charybdis Dreadclaw, and put guys in it which has to start reserve anyway, or, you know, there's, there's other, there's heavy support units that it doesn't really matter if you put them in reserve. So you can get around that. The Terminator armor thing, it's not bad because you could just use your uh, elite slots instead of taking Terminators, take veterans, which kind of work better with this anyway. Um, but I could even see taking a bunch of sniper vets with this, um, or because they gain, uh, outflank which is also fluffy with an army like this so this one's actually it's usable i don't think it's like top tier or whatever but it's not garbage it's definitely something to look at it's kind of cool so this is a way to go if you really want to take a sneaky army man especially yep. something that's going to start with infiltrate or i mean i can yeah. really only think of two armies that would really take advantage of the infiltrate starting in the game but well remember like the last couple episodes we've talked about people taking vigilators just to get that six inch redeploy and yeah. I'm like, why are you doing that? It actually makes sense in this right of war, not necessarily because you're getting the six inch redeployment. It's just because because of using scout, you also gain shrouded shrouded for one. Turn. So for one turn, which could be which means like it, say you took these guys that are taking these assault squads and putting that guy in there to get the six inch thing. Like I said, the six inch deployment's not a big deal, but getting shrouded on that assault squad is a big deal. Yeah. Survivability. For the first game turn, because it's going to increase that unit survivability while it's trying to move across the gap, which is important. So you take so. night fight, then you get shrouded, so you're getting plus three to your cover 50% of the time. Yep. And so it's a sneaky way to get your assault squads up there, fellas. Yep. So you could literally take a bunch of assault marines in an Alpha Legion army and give them infiltrate and get it that done that way, or take like two assault squads in any army and then put those uh vigilators, vigilators. with them with them and do the same thing it's kind of cool there's a lot of like it's kind of a dirty tricks right of war there's it, it, i wanted to spend some time on it because i mean like you anybody listens to the show knows i'm not a f giant fan of recon marines and this but you can you can use this you don't have to necessarily really take them with this i mean you have to take one unit of them so i don't know i don't think it's bad Good times. So you you listeners out there with your new Kalth box and all that jazz, this is definitely something you just have to buy a scout scout squad. Yep. It'd be solid. There you go. Actually, I really... The suck thing is the the Recon Marines in power armor with the cloaks look so cool. Yeah. Like the actual Ford Drill models. Like, they're, aw they're awesome models. Um, but, man, the rules are just... <laughs> Poor guys. Four guys. So, all next right. One, next one's all you, buddy. All right. So, Zone Mortalis Assault Force. Uh, 
basically this one's for Zomortalis, obviously, if you can't tell by the name. So through masters of all forms of war or though masters of all forms of warfare, Legion Stardis were superbly equipped and trained for shock boarding actions. Their skill, ferocity, and sheer toughness reaching its apex when called upon to fight in the close environs of a deadly Zone Mortalis war zone. So the effects. Legion Terminator squads may be selected as non-compulsory troops choices. So basically, they become troops, but they gain the support squad rule. Um, teleport Assault. Any one Legion Terminator squad may be given the Deep Strike special rule, representing a teleport assault. Um, which is, like we talked about before, Terminators don't typically come with it, so that's kind of cool. Um, interlocking defense. When used in a Zone Mortalis game, a Legion Breacher squad, whose members are all currently in base-to-base, -base, contact, forming an unbroken chain, and neither fling or pinned, may add plus one to all invulnerable saves. That's actually really good. So, I actually... Oh, so the limitations are no units may, uh, included may be more than 15 models. That's already a Zone Mortalis restriction. Um, no vehicles other than walkers may be taken. Uh, no super heavy vehicles or gargantuan creatures may be taken. So the reason I feel like they included these limitations, you can play. Most people don't. We actually do here quite often. But b most people either play Zone Mortalis or they play a normal game. You can combine the two and have a small zone mortalis section of a full-size board. Right. So they have to include these. So if you wanted to run this uh, right of war in a normal game, that, you know, was also going to have a zone mortalis section on it. Yeah. But there, there's really nothing that limits you from taking this in. Oh, it's, well, the some of this, like the breacher, the interlocking defense, it only works in an actual zone mortalis game. The other things... It doesn't sound like like you could take this in a normal game and still take Terminators and non-compulsory troop choices, even it's, though it's not at all. It's not going to be fun. <laughs> yeah. When so you, you can't take tanks. Yeah. So anyway, it's definitely basically for Zone Mortalis, so just think of it like that. It's actually very good for Zone Mortalis. Um, the taking Terminators as non-compulsory troops is kind of weird because in Zone Mortalis, uh, the attacker foc alert like you have to take a compulsory elite anyway which is normally a terminator squad is what a lot of people do or veterans or whatever i guess it allows you to really take a shitload of terminators because the zone mortalis chart is pretty small so i think you only get like three elites choices so if you wanted to run just absolute shit tons of terminators this would be the way to go in zone mortalis but typically your points are small um the Terminator assault, the teleport assault thing, that's actually pretty cool. Just make sure you put Nuncio boxes in your army. You do not want to deep strike with full scatter into his own Mortalis. <laughs> into a wall. Yeah, it, it's, it's, a it's bad. bad. It's bad. You have a very high chance of mishapping, and then your mishap is you uh, subtract one on the table. So it's almost always bad. So just have a plan. Like, you know, take a Nuncio box or take, you know, something where they're not going to scatter or... Uh, whatever it makes it good um the breacher thing is actually really good breachers are one of those units that in the open battlefield i don't think they're worth their points but they're actually probably are worth their points in a zone mortalis game yeah. so oh, yeah. giving them and giving them an extra bonus in zone mortalis is is good um taking a 10-man breacher squad with an apothecary 
and then you know sticking them with all these shields you know together like that it's, it's pretty damn good it's gonna be a really tough nut to crack in a zomortalis game it's pretty cool an extremely tough nut yeah so i like it so you want to do the last one yeah and just uh just on this one this is something you could totally do with the calth box the breachers are going to be a little bit harder i mean there's people out there that actually make their that, that make shields for forge world just makes an upgrade kit from the badab stuff yeah have you have you looked at the uh like the uh oh man the mf shield guy on facebook uh, there's the mf shield guy and there's also the man i can't i can't remember the shield's name it's matt matt uh matt over uh it doesn't matter anyway there's third-party shields out there that are Legion-specific that you can go with that actually fit on yeah. the Kalth uh, uh, models that have the hands on them. I mean, very cool. Yeah. But Forge, Forge World sells when they did the Badab War stuff. They yeah. sold just a separate Breacher kit where you don't have to buy a whole entire Breacher Marines. Yeah. Um, you can also find them as bits online. Like, there's certain bit sellers. They're typically out of the UK on eBay that will sell individual shields, but it's kind of pricey. Um so the usually it's better like for like Michael said to go third party or just to buy the upgrade kit from Forge World. The arms on the upgrade kit from Forge World are kind they're Mark Seven arms that are actually attached to the shield, but that's not a huge deal because the shield covers most of it. Um, and they pr- like if especially your Calthbox guys that are Mark Four, a Mark Four arm and a Mark Seven arm. The, really, the only difference is the bracer at the end is shaped different, but once again, it's covered by this giant rectangle shield so you're not going to see it anyway so if you put those on your calf guides you're not going to notice the difference yeah i first i personally like the upgrade shields better than the standard preacher shields the big square ones i think they look cooler yeah it's pop goes the monkey so i was thinking of okay the guy who does all the shoulder pads and stuff yeah he has legion specific shields they are fantastic yeah so cool yeah, I will move on to the next one. The next one is sacrificial offering. Uh, this is going to be this is going to require some militia, but uh, a tactic first used by the hundred and well, that's awkward. hundred eleventh legion. Did you read that? It says one 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 RD. One hundred delivered. I think it's the third legion, but they're using Roman numerals. Okay, so the hundred. Yeah, so okay. it's the third legion. Oh, third legion. Oh, okay. I'm yeah, sorry. yeah, yeah. Okay, I get it. Out. Yeah, yeah. The third legion in the okay, in the construction of such bastions as the perfect fortress on the world of Narcissus, and the sacrificial offering used auxiliary troops as bait. Legion units counterattacking at the moment the enemy believes their victory is complete. This right of war represents a traitor legion supported by a larger number of imperialist militia support troops, which are to be used as cannon fodder to draw enemy into a trap. As such, it makes an ideal matchup against loyalist shattered legion force. It's the effects. Circling the trap. All models in the primary attachment gain the outflank special rule and must begin the game held in reserve. Uh, faith misplaced. The army's allied detachment gains a stubborn special rule when it's in its own deployment zone. And then beneath contempt, the units of the allied detachment never yield victory points for being destroyed. So the limitations, the army must include an allied detachment drawn from the Imperial Militia and Warp Cult army list and must begin the game deployed. 
The Army must include a fortification detachment. All primary detachment units must begin in reserve. The primary detachment may not include any units with the immobile or the sole and purposeful special rules. The Army may not include any models that deploy using deep strike special rules. This right of war may not be used in a traitor army. May, may only. only be used in a traitor army. Sorry about that. Yeah, I read that and I thought about it. I was like, wait, that doesn't sound right at all. <laughs> I actually like this right of war. I think it's cool. It's 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 fluffy. You can do some funny stuff with it. A militia, I think the militia list is really solid. So it's like the quote unquote, you know, drawback of having to take allied militia. Like I like I actually like militia a lot. So you could take um you know, like a militia commander or a militia command squad or something and like two just giant ass 50 man levy units and, you know, pile them in, uh, you know, a fortification, like buy a wall of martyr trench line and stick them in the trench line where they get a bunch of cover, you know, for sure. And then they already have stubborn because of this, like it's going to be a hard, you know, tough nut to crack. And then as the enemy moves in to attack that, you know, all your uh, other Marine units come in from outflank from the sides, which is pretty cool. Just come handle business. Those <laughs> just offering like a little sacrificial lamb. Yeah. The so only one... problem with this right of war, like this is actually like a really cool military tactic. Think of like in real life, like if you could spring this on your opponent, the problem is when you give them your army list, they're going to read sacrificial offering. You're basically handing them your trap. Like, here's what I'm doing. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, it's weird. They'll know. Well, yeah, they know. It says it right on your army list. <laughs> Stay away from the board edges. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. That's my only problem is like the meta, the meta information that, you know, you obviously get because you're playing a real world game. Um, it kind of ruins it, the effect of it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I completely understand. It's fun, if though. You, it's, it is it's, fun. I, I like the right of war a lot. You can't like if you have your if you have your calf box you could you basically have your calf box if you have say you already played Imperial Guard in 40k if you're just getting into 30k you could buy a calf box take all those units um, and then just take your guard guys or whatever and get an Imperial Bastion or whatever fortification you want um, start them on the board and then all your calf guys gain uh, outflank so I mean you could you could do this like this is one of the cheaper right of wars you could do if you already have you know, access to a bunch of guys that can be used as a militia. Somebody has Astra Militarum lying around that I'm pretty sure you can get off of them for nothing. Probably Catachan. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely yeah. cheap. <laughs> so yeah. this is an easy way to fill out some ranks and you get a sweet fortification out of it. Plus, I mean, it's funny because it says that the third legion uses it. If you've read Angel Exterminatus with like the freak show parade that they have, Love imagine it. like modeling up a bunch of crazy like Blood covered and blood covered militia dudes that are all like in cheetah print, yeah, che like just all crazy shit. And like the the your enemy is like, what the hell are these guys like? And then they just like rush forward and they're forced to tangle with them. And then here come all the emperor's children come rushing in from the board edges. It's pretty cool. <laughs> so I love it. It sounds good to me, man. Yeah. So that's pretty much it. Um Let's just real quick, just like now that we've went through all the generics. So what's your favorite one? Mm, favorite of what I would want to build? Yeah, let, well, let's like it, it. You could only keep one like Forge World calls you on the phone and they're like, Michael, 
you can only ever use one right of war for the rest of your life for going forward for any legion you build. Which one do you which one do you like of oh, this one? This one is special to me. I have to keep this one. Oh, don't say that. Yeah. I'd have to keep Fury of the Ancients, but that's just because uh. of me. <laughs> but if I had to one that I knew would be, you know, competitive that I think would be a good keeper just all around, it'd be a toss up between Pride of the Legion and Skyhunter Phalanx. The jet bike one? Okay. Yeah. Man, it would be hard for me to choose between Orbital Assault and Armor Breakthrough of the generics. Those are my two favorite. Mm. I think those are the ones you're going to see most, guys. You're going to see Pride of the Legion. You're going to see Orbital Assault. You're going to see Armor Breakthrough. And rarer, but more than likely, you'll see some Skyhunter Phalanx if somebody's not already taken it for with their main army list. I think that's probably going to be the next one I'm going to run is Skyhunter Phalanx, to be honest with you. Um, I I built a, uh, just for funsies, like, uh, like theoretical list and read it out on um, Ferengian Heresy. That was pretty brutal. That was a Skyhunter Phalanx list. I have to get in contact with you because I have an idea for it. You listened to that episode. I have to re-listen to it. Oh, there you go. So that's pretty much it, guys. I mean, uh, if you have any questions, I mean, I, I know it's it was pretty long-winded. You may have dozed in and out while we were talking about certain things. Hopefully not. But, I mean, really, guys, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to send us an email. It's going to be michael at warhammer30k.com or ryan at warhammer30k.com. Or you can hit us up on South Texas Horse Heresy 30K Facebook page or the Forgotten Legion Facebook page. Uh, I'll be more than willing to help you guys out, especially if you're just starting in the game. Uh, the reason we even make these podcast segments is to help you guys out because new players. Yeah, these are, this is definitely targeted towards new players. Like if you're an advanced player and you're like, oh, you know, they're going over. Like that's not it's not really for you. It wasn't for I mean, you. I don't even know how you made it this far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. I mean, really, guys, if you have questions, don't hesitate to hit us up. I mean, we consistently all day talk 30K. I mean, that's just it. I mean, it's everybody. We, we, we deal with all the other podcasts. We, we know about the other metas. and we It's all day. We, we learn, you know, what's going on in different areas and all that jazz. So, you know, I mean, plus we got Ryan. So, he you know, he pretty much knows what he's talking about. He's like a little little computer in that head of his. So. I don't know about that. You can't tell people that. <laughs> Then they then they dig through everything you say, looking for the one time you screw up. Yeah, they are twin link, bro. And and I screw up a lot. So. <laughs> so anyway, so if you have any questions, you know how to find us, guys. And of course, we do have a main podcast that we have. We're on iTunes. It's called Radio Free Estevan or The Forgotten Legion 30K Podcast. I think is what it's called on iTunes. Uh, but on SoundCloud, we're the Radio Freest van. You just type that in, you can find us. And we have a weekly podcast that we put out. Uh, we also have a weekly webcast on Warhammer30k.com. That's the YouTube channel. And if you are new to the game and new to 30k and you want some sweet, sweet tips, Ryan actually went out of his way to make you some videos that you could go check out. And he gives you some awesome tips on how to take uh, take your little baby units and fight big daddy units. Some David <laughs> and Goliath moments. So. It's called just the tips with ryan and that's on warhammer30k.com but like i said i mean that's pretty much it guys uh thanks for tuning in this long maybe put some music on for you and uh let you have a good one 
Anything else to add, Ryan? Or no, that's it. Like I said, I I, I like doing this stuff for new players. You know, we get a lot of emails and stuff. Always feel free to email us. We we like helping you know new guys out and answering questions. So and definitely request if you have requests, let us know. How can we help you? Yeah, I mean this episode stemmed from somebody you know asking basically asking for it. So um, don't don't hesitate if there's definitely you know if you have questions and want to do an episode about it, just shoot us an email or hit Michael up on Reddit or however you can get a hold of us and we'll we'll try to do it for you guys. <laughs> Sounds good to me, man. Yep. All right. We'll catch you later, guys. See ya.